The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Spin the Rally Pod, Dirtfish's weekly rallying podcast. And today, you haven't got Lisa Sullivan, unfortunately. You've got me, Luke Barry, but I'm very glad to say we're back revisiting the fantastic world of the American Rally Association. And to do that, of course, we have our ARA correspondent, Mason Runkle, with us. Mason, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Normally, for me, we record our podcast quite early in the morning, but for me, with time differences, it's late at night. It's quite a, a weird experience. Normally, I've not woken up, but this time I'm almost too awake. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's fitting for your uh, experience with the ARA. It is. It is. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know if that's potentially a little bit too much of a niche comment from Mason and I, I essentially end up helping him cover the rallies from the UK. So I'm many hours ahead of the, <laughs> the event. So it can be some quite late nights, but it's all part of the thrill. But... And no offence, Mason, when I say this, we have an even more special guest with us, Mr. Mark Piotrowski, winner of the Snowdrift Rally this year. Mark, has that sunk in yet? Uh, no, no, it has not. Uh, hello, rallying world. Hopefully, uh, Luke, uh, Mason, and I will uh, keep you up. So we'll you know, get, the, get the juices flowing. But happy to be on here and uh, looking forward to the podcast. Well, it's wonderful to have you. Mark has been a great friend of Dirtford for a while. He's helped out with a couple of media projects with us over in the states as well so it's great to have you branch out into the world of podcasting as well mark but we have to start this week's episode on a slight tangent from the ara just a little bit of a nod to a quite unfortunate and sad event that happened at the weekend the passing of paddy hopkirk now i I know for our u.s listeners he's maybe not the most famous name ever but for, for people in my part of the world the uk and ireland he was he was probably the original rallying hero for us in a lot of ways everybody remembers what he did with that little mini on the Monte Carlo rally some 58 years ago now, which is quite incredible to think it's that long ago. But I think for for those, and we're discussing this off air, guys, I think for those that even weren't necessarily aware it was Paddy Hobkirk, that car and that rally was just such an iconic combination, wasn't it? Oh, it was it was absolutely iconic. I mean, there's the I, I know the vividly we have the the red small mini with the for some reason they had this like spotlight up on the roof, just one spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going sideways throughout the snow in Monte Carlo. I mean, that, that to me is, is, uh, is so vivid. I, obviously that was before my time, but the stories that I've read and, and, and everything and how iconic, uh, Patty was to, you know, to the, to the mini brand and to the rallying world, you know, certainly, um, you know, very sad for the rallying world to, to hear that he's, he's passed on. Yeah. And it, it wasn't just the way he drove. I think it was his, this sort of boyish charm as well that made him so special. It's it's quite strange for me personally, actually, because I've only been in this job professionally for a couple of years. And Paddy's actually one of the few guys who did have a very small interaction with. It was at a Scottish Rally Championship Awards evening. And it was very just quick exchange of hellos. But I was, and I still think I am a nobody, but particularly then, he Paddy was obviously surrounded by loads of people, but he still had the time to smile. And he looked like he was genuinely interested in the fact that I was sort of introducing myself and that to me speaks 
a lot of demand because you can imagine how much he must have had of that over the years. So our thoughts are, are well and truly with Paddy and his family at this time. But we will move on because we don't have too long in the podcast because we know what it's like. You always tend to, or we always tend to ramble when we get too excited by all the gossip. <laughs> but we are here to talk about the ARA and we're six rounds in now, Mason, to a nine round season. That time has flown by. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you know, going roughly one round a month, it still seems like they just keep happening back to back, almost like it's, you know, weekly races with NASCAR or something else. Uh, but um, it's crazy to think that we're already to the point where we have to start thinking about drop rounds instead of gaining points, uh, because it's a best six of nine round championship. So, um, you know, going into these next few rounds, it's going to be a lot of looking back at where has this driver either not performed well or, um, you know, where did they retire early or where did they just not compete and then basically just replace that score with whatever they get from, you know, uh, you know, Ojibwe, for instance, and um, you're going to have to start thinking about points sort of differently as we, you know, get closer to the end of the championship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is where it gets really exciting or really terrifying, depending on how your season's gone so far. You've either got quite a nice situation or you've got a bit of work to do. But Mark, before we digest too many of the rounds we've had, first of all, you are obviously still technically sitting quite high in the championship at fourth overall, thanks to your, to your win on, on Soldiers. I know, I, I think, correct me with this, but the way the points work, I don't think you're theoretically eligible for a full championship unless you did all the three the remaining rounds. Is that correct? Yeah, I think the way it works is that, you know, you have to do one round of each of the regions, right? And and obviously the West Coast events in, in Oregon and in Washington are, are over with. I didn't I didn't enter them. So although my, my points I think are either fourth or fifth in the in the national championship, um obviously not uh, considered one of the contenders uh for the for the overall crown. And and, and honestly I w- wasn't expecting to be right. You know, <laughs> a- after Snowdrift, it was it was kind of a dream rally, and then I had a short stint in the R five. But you know, I knew right after that, you know, it was going to be a short lived lead. Uh, I think it was right after either Washington or Oregon, my my lead disintegrated, but it was a slowly disappearing wedge. <laughs> well, we'll get into a little bit of that later on. But Mason, when you and I last spoke with ARA competition director Preston Osborne, it was. Just after Olympus Rally, if I'm correct, so we've had another three rounds since then. In a lot of ways, actually, the championship picture, well, it's changed, but it hasn't changed, has it? Because back then when you Ken Watt was fast, it's just now he's got the wins on the board. He had two of them in a row. We'll start with the first one first. And it was a, probably a more important win than some people realise at, at Oregon Trail, because if he didn't win that, he was going to be a little bit up against it for the championship, wasn't he? Yeah, it was going to be really hard for him to come back if he wasn't able to win that one. Um, I forget exactly what the points looked like going into it, but I think he, you know, he'd had the unfortunate mishap with the deer on Hundred Acre Wood, and uh, uh, yeah, Olympus he uh, retired early with an accident, so it was uh, basically seventeen points going into the fourth round of the series. Um, out of nine, that's not a lot, and that was. Definitely a well-needed win for his championship, and I think he's still, you know, he's still sitting kind of, I think he's sitting in third still, isn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but it's it's a lot closer, and if he hadn't gotten those points from uh, from Oregon Trail, he wouldn't have had any, any real leeway for dropping rounds, and 
to be fair, he still doesn't really because the competition is just so close. Was anyone surprised that he won Oregon? I personally was not. I mean, I, I, I've done, I've had the pleasure of, you know, competing at Oregon last year. It is a flat out event. And I know this, this may be a, a controversial topic, but I personally think that the Hyundai is, is much faster and much faster. It is faster than the, the, than the Subaru. So to see that, you know, he pulled out, you know, a, a comfortable win, I'd say in, in, in Oregon, to me, it was, it was not a surprise, but, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll dive into this in, in some of the later rounds, like, like Ohio and, and New England, where the, the roads are slightly twistier. I think that's when, you know, the, the, the Subarus do have a, a, a potential chance, but I, I just think the, you know, the performance that Ken pulled out, and, and obviously he still has to drive the car, right? But he didn't really have any good results last year in the Subaru, probably because it didn't really suit his driving style. I mean, he's publicly admitted that, you know, this type of chassis, World Rally chassis, whether it's a, you know, Fiesta or a Hyundai, um, but that nimble chassis really suits his driving style. So, you know, yeah, I mean, like we said, we, he really needed the, the win out there in, in Oregon and he, uh, you know, and he did the job. Yeah, it is, it is a great point you make about the, the nature of the rally. For me, I, I don't know if I'm, it's, it's different for me because I'm a bit more disconnected than you guys are. I'm not at the round, so I perhaps don't know as much as either of you when it comes to all the different nuances. But I was just super impressed that he managed to put everything behind him and deliver the result. I, I totally accept the argument that he probably did have a slight advantage over the rest, but as you said, Mark, he still had to, to drive the car and, and he got the job done. And For me, it, it was an increasingly important win that obviously rolled into Southern Ohio where it was another win again but I guess the big talking point there was the first zero of the year well not the, actually that's a total lie the second zero of the year for, for Brandon Semenuk. Yeah that, that was a that was a rough round for Semenuk all around unfortunately I mean he's, he did very well there last year um, and I'd hate to sound like I'm putting him down at all because he's an absolutely fantastic driver in every way and you know Honestly, I agree a lot with Travis. He's probably the best driver in the series right now. Um, you know, no offense, Mark, but um, <laughs> no, offense, no offense taken. <laughs> I can't even compare yeah. to those. All, all those I'll say, guys. Mason. All I'll say is that the, is the two had a, a one and two head to head. We'll call it head to head. Be slightly generous to Mark and say it was a head to head or so different. Mark one. So I'm going to put my money behind Mark and say he's the best driver in ARA. I and mean, we won't know <laughs> what the difference is because he's not in the same car. So we'll say that. We'll be kind to the guest. Of course. I, I, in, in, in Ohio, though, sorry, Mason, but in, in Ohio, I was thoroughly surprised by Travis's pace. I mean, he, he really needed to, you know, to up the ante after some of his, you know, earlier performances. But he he really he really surprised me. And it looks like he really did his homework. He was studying the notes and, you know, Rhiannon was, you know, up, up his ass more than more than any other one because he they really needed to pull together a, a performance. So. I was really impressed by him. I know Brandon was also, you know, talking about about road cleaning, and and I can certainly attest to that. I was I was sixth on the road, and it was still pretty loose for me. But you know, I I definitely think you know Travis and 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 Ken really really battled it out well in, in Ohio. Yeah, Travis was um, honestly a little bit of a terrifying machine at Southern Ohio compared to how he normally is. I mean, as as someone who's typically trying to run up to the car to bother him as soon as he arrives back at service you know he usually gets out and he talks to people for a while and then he gets back in goes and parks and then gets in the trailer for looking back at videos but at ohio he rolled up 
laptop already open in his lap watching the videos with Rhiannon going over the notes and it was like who is this it was, we, we've, it was we've genuinely never seen a Travis like that yeah we've never seen no. a Travis like that never and you know Rhiannon kind of wrote it off like oh well this is what we're always doing in the trailer I'm like but this is a really no big way. deal that you're doing it like 20 minutes prior to the trailer no way it was it was it was a different Travis for for sure that event and you know it, it clearly paid off definitely well, this is what I was about to say. And um, what's incredible for me about this is Travis hasn't won a rally this year. And this is how much effort he's putting in to try and be at the top. Now, this is what, for me, cannot be underestimated about the ARA. And you guys can can tell the rest of us more than anybody else because you're actually there. But the pace at the front this year, it's just incredible. I, I honestly don't think we've ever seen it in the US this strong. And it's not just the cars. It's how much the drivers are getting out of the cars as well. It's, that was, as you say, it was a very impressive performance from Travis there. Everybody looking at it and think, oh, it was second place, but it was a Paris stage win, and that's kind of becoming his, his speciality this year a little bit, isn't it? He's trying to nick as many Paris stage points as he can, and I, and I think it's two weeks between him and, and Seminic at the minute, but it was second, but he really did push Block as hard as he could. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I was talking to Alex before they went out for the Paris stage at... Um at New England and you know it, it looked to me at least it looked like they had the pace and there was only a couple miles left in the rally they probably had it and you know putting everything that happened on the last stage aside Alex said to me Ken and I are always very afraid of Brandon because we'll always think that we're pretty comfortable where we are and then Brandon will just completely pull something out of the bag and come out of nowhere and I I honestly agree. Brandon has more and more and more been on it in every single way possible. I mean, if you look at footage of him from New England, I he was completely precise. He was on every single point. I didn't see a single mistake from him. I mean, I haven't seen all of his his onboard, so I'm I'm sure there were some little slip ups, but I he was an absolute machine out there, and it's it's starting to look really good for him. Yeah, I, I was standing, I, I had the, uh, I didn't compete at New England, you know, I was I was there spectating and, and I know the rally very well, right? So I strategically, you know, put myself in good spectating spots where you can really see commitment, right? And and hands down, Brandon surprised me. I mean, in, in one particular point on, on day one, there was this flat section where it's 666, long, long distances, and then followed by a, a left three. And... Wow, Brandon great at literally the last part of second, probably a little bit too late because he got wide on the left three. But, you know, once I saw that, I was like, you know, this this guy is on a on a different level. And, you know, Ken and, and Travis, you know, were very fast in that corner. But, you know, I, I, I think Brandon is starting to feel, feel very comfortable with the with the Subaru. I think he's starting to gel well with Keaton. Um, and I think everything is, is coming together, um, you know, in a very good package. So I was really, really happy to, to see that. Keaton being with Brandon has been a really good influence on him from everything I've heard. Um, and specifically, not just, you know, with notes and everything. John, John Hall and him had a pretty good system set up there. But with the racecraft and with bringing all of the WRC techniques and sort of, you know, between the stages um, knowledge that he's used to from you know all around the world to Brandon here in the US that's made a really big difference with him too yeah I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that because I was actually going to ask you about it 
and we've got to be careful because it, it's not to decry anything that, that John Hall did last year with Brandy because I mean, Mark can tell us he's had a rally with John this year. He's a fantastic co-driver and he's brilliant at, at nurturing new talent. But I think what was interesting with, at least from my perspective, with Keaton coming in, it was it was the new ideas. It was ideas from the World Rally Championship. I know he, he only did one in the end in a top car, but he'd done plenty with, with Josh McElhaney, who's obviously a known quantity in the US after his podium on Olympus last year. So he has got a lot of experience, somebody so young. And, and there is something there that, it does seem to be clicking and we, we can't underestimate the experience Brandon now has himself as well because he's now got at least I think and Mason you can correct me with this but he's got at least one attempt at all the rallies now in the Subaru some of them twice so that I think uh, that deficit he had in the past or maybe is it a couple ones coming up he might not have done actually because they haven't been running for a couple years STPR he yeah. hasn't done yeah that that one got sort of downgraded to a regional last year so he wasn't able to run it and it was cancelled the year before because of COVID but he's done Ojibwe and he's uh no he hasn't done LSPR actually I don't think okay so yeah he's gonna have some troubles coming up I interesting think. Yeah, STPR and and LSPR I don't think Brandon Brandon has done I'm particularly interested on how things are gonna work out at STPR STPR is a very, very like note centric event. I mean, all events are note centric, right? But STPR specifically, it's very high speed. It's very narrow, uh, and the trees are right off to the side of the road. So, so any small errors um, will will result in potentially a, a very big you know accident. So, really curious to see how how STPR is going to evolve. You know, with you know, Brandon going flat out, Travis going flat out, Kenyon still flat out. I, I, I think, you know, for, for me personally, uh, we'll see how SDPR goes. Now, just for a bit of context in that bone, because I'm aware that we've, we've jumped around a little bit, STPR will be round eight of nine after Ojibwe Forest Ride, which is next month. But we will just do a little bit of a, a debrief on New England before we look, at, look ahead. <laughs> I don't know really what, what to say, but this one, Mason, because... I think everybody by now will be more than aware of the controversial end, but how important do you think that win was for Brandon to nick that over Ken? And we know Ken had his issues early on with the intercom that they reckon cost him about 20 seconds. So Ken did well to fight that back. You could argue has the best car, but a nine tenth of a second win in pure sp- in sporting terms, if you look at it as a statistic, the fact Brandon beat Ken by nine tenths on such a fast rally is epic for the championship, but it's a big point swing in Brandon's favour. Yeah, I mean, that was um, probably, I mean, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of another story to come out of this year that's going to be, like, as at the forefront of people's minds when they look back on this season. I mean, less than a second, Travis got out of the car and was immediately talking about how that was probably the best rally he's ever seen in the U.S., like, excitement-wise and just the battle that Brandon and Ken had, um, you know, and for there to be a lot of, you know, controversy around it, too, with, um, you know, I'm sure most people are probably tired of hearing about it. And I'm kind of in the same boat, but like all the <laughs> the visibility problems and, um, you know, whether or not the, the organizers made the right decision when it came to um, giving or, well, I guess not giving an extra dust minute. But, um, you know, if we can argue about it we can say force majeure we can say that's rally we can do whatever but it doesn't change the fact that that was an extremely important win for brandon and not only does it make the championship more exciting but it gives um it gives 
Ken just that little bit more of a push to, you know, fight for it. I think that, you know, when we when we look at Ojibwe, I think we're going to see some of the best driving of the whole season just because it's that close and everyone wants it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fired up. Yeah, I I think Ken now is is going to be extremely fired up just just like you said, Luke. I mean, you know, to to lose it by by that time and I was actually standing there on the last corner um, of the last stage. And when Brandon went by and I saw all the dust hanging, I'm just like, I was like, man, you know, Ken's going to lose this purely based on dust. And then when Ken went by, I, he was two feet in front of me and I couldn't even see him. So for, for him to be, you know, only a handful of seconds, you know, be, be behind Brandon, uh, in the, in the, in the stage running, then it was, that, that must've been quite the drive. I'd, I'd love to see the onboard there from, from Ken, but <laughs> You know that that was just some incredible racing, and you know there's there's a whole bunch whole bunch of politics surrounded. You know whether you're you're on Ken's end, whether you're you know just like oh well that's that's just rally force majeure. You know I I honestly kind of see see both ends of the of the spectrum, but either way you slice it, I think Ken is now going to be extremely fired up, extremely motivated, and he's probably going to go well. They they all have to go flat out, but I think that's going to give Ken just a little bit extra motivation to to you know really push uh, at Ojibwe. Yeah, I I yeah. don't want to wa- I don't want to launch you into the spot too much, Mark. So I won't angle this politically, but we have to make use of the fact we've got a driver here. Now I, I don't know if you've driven in conditions similar to what the guys would have faced at New England, but from a driver's perspective, just how difficult is it to drive in that dust? Because you have your pace notes, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's difficult when you can't see what's coming, isn't it? Well, I can I can actually uh, you know go one better than this. I've driven that particular stage, you know, for for over a decade at at this point. Every single time I've run that stage, I've never had a clean run because it was always plagued with dust. Now, granted, you know, I ran in one minute intervals. You know, the the top guys run in two minute intervals. But then also on the flip side, you know, those cars create sub- substantially more more dust. But I mean, driving in, in dust is, I mean, yes, okay, you have notes, but it's, it's you know, if you have a, you know, 300 right three, you don't, you can't decipher whether it's a 200 or 250 or 300 right three, because you, you just can't see where you initiate the corner. So I think distances are, are incredibly hard, you know, in, in dust, along with, you know, knowing where, where, where the turn is. So it's, it's incredibly difficult. I, I really feel for, for Ken and Alex on, on that one, but you know, it, it, it really sets up the championship in a nail-biting way. It does. It does indeed. But of course, the ARA isn't only about the open four-wheel drive battle. I know it's sometimes one we can all get a little bit sucked into, but the class battles this year are, are they're, to be fair, they're always epic. But this year, and I, I'm, I'm looking at the points again in front of me because it's just incredible how many drivers we have split with literally nothing between them. I'm looking at open two-wheel drive just now. We've got Michael Nicholson at the head of the field, Seamus Burke, the reigning champions, three points back. Derek Nilsson, another point further back. So it's it's just been mad competitive, as always, Mason, in the two-wheel drives. And the best thing for me is how different everybody's car is. Oh, yeah. Uh, two-wheel drive is always really fun. I, you know, the people who drive the two-wheel drive class absolutely adore the, the choice of drivetrain. And, you know, I, I can't blame them. I'm sure that, you know, being able to swing a rear-wheel drive car out wide is a ton of fun and i you know the the fiestas that are so common in the front wheel drive look like a ton of fun too um this year has been really good though um 
And I'd hate to say that, you know, the the unfortunate role that Seamus Burke and Martin Brady had on New England have made it more exciting from the championship perspective because that's I guess that's just trying to look on the bright side of a pretty bad situation. But they they've said that they have a plan in place to get it, you know, back on the road and they're still planning to run it at Ojibwe. Um, but if they had finished that rally at that point, they probably would have sealed the championship for themselves, um, which would be great for them. But as far as, you know, excitement, it's a little, it leaves a lot to be desired. Now we've got, you know, Micah Nicholson, whose car alone probably isn't quite as fast as the Escort, but I mean, he's been pretty consistent and the car has been pretty reliable this year. And it's, uh, pretty great story too because he's a you know sort of 100 acre wood is his local rally he's never really been in the position to be able to run for a national championship and now that he's still technically leading in points and he's got you know the rest of the rounds are all kind of closer to him than some of the others have been this year he can really step up and potentially put his little golf in uh in the winner's circle if he's able to keep up with uh the likes of burke and yeah um, yeah where where did he come from like i i am so surprised that he's leading to a drive i mean i've never i've never met you know micah or 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 have talked to him but like i'm i'm very surprised he's he's leading to a drive he must have won snowdrift did he he did yeah uh, he yes did. he did got it got it yeah i mean but but that golf is one mean looking golf i mean the the stance that that car has i mean clearly there's there's a lot of modifications done to it it sounds great it looks great uh, obviously, Mike is driving it very well. So, um, really curious to see how it's all going to happen at, uh, at at Ojibwe. But regarding Seamus, I mean, that pair, Martin and 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 Seamus, they've done what thirty some rallies without without any rolls or, or, or accidents. I mean, I, I don't exactly know what had what had transpired to 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 cause that accident, but I was I was very shocked. Glad to see that they're they're both okay. Um, but we will see if they'll be there at Ojibwe because I believe from the photos that car clearly needs a reshell. I don't know how easy it is necessarily to get an, an, uh, a Mark II Escort shell here in the U.S. I'm assuming it's not going to be very easy. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that they are under the gun and, and scrambling for that. But I, I'll, I'll be very curious to see if they actually show up to the start line of Ojibwe. Yeah, I, th- I think that's... It's a very good point, and anybody that hasn't seen the pictures, they are around on social media. It was quite a nasty accident, so I'm going to echo Mark and Mason's thoughts as well, and it was great to see them then walk away from that. But if anybody can pull it off and get this repair done, it's the Irish. So, <laughs> fingers crossed, we'll, we'll see them out on the next round. But before we... <laughs> very true. <laughs> oh, yeah. But before, before we leave the two-wheel drive guys behind, we have to touch upon Leah Block, because... I know there's probably a lot of fanfare behind her because of the the name and everything, and she's had a lot of sort of driving experience, somebody of that age, because of her father's connections and ability to be able to drive different cars. But the fact that she's sitting there in sixth place, I think particularly in Ohio, to get a class podium in that little fiesta was just incredible, Mason. Yeah, I mean it. Don't you know? Don't get it too too confused. It's still an R2T. It's still a very well-built car and very capable, but up against the likes of Michael Hooper and Seamus Burke, I mean, those cars have so much more power and, I mean, the drivers behind them are, 
you know, decades experienced over over Leah. So to have her not only not only get the podium there, but she also won a, a stage in the class outright. I mean, that's super impressive, and it it shows she's she's grown a lot as a driver this year. And you know, I don't really think that she's necessarily in the conversation for the title this year. I guess it's technically possible based on the points possibilities, but I mean. I think that she's definitely going to try to pull some upsets and try to take points away from <laughs> from other people who are a bit closer. So it'll be interesting to see that. How how old is she again? Fifteen or sixteen? Yeah, I'm sure it's I mean, fifteen. Yeah. That that is incredible. I mean, I I dreamed of rallying when I was fifteen. I you know didn't have the opportunity. I mean, on on one hand, yes. I mean, you know, she's she's driven probably multiple cars. Um, you know, um, multiple of their dad's cars, I'm, I'm sure, but let's not take this away from her. She, she, you know, had a fantastic event out there at, at, at Ohio. And we should also talk about, you know, her unfortunate crash, um, before, before the New England Forest rally that, uh, I believe, you know, the cage was bent or, or something around there and she wasn't able to, to start. So she's clearly exploring the limits uh, of the car. And that's and that's great to see. You know, I, I don't necessarily think she is a championship contender, you know, in the grand scheme of things for this particular year. But if she's there next year, I'm sure she's only going to get faster with time. So really curious to see how how that's all going to play out. Yeah, would agree completely. Yeah, would agree. OK, so the third and final class I want to dive into a bit, boys. And Mark, this is your specialty as the reigning champion here is the LN4 division. And to be honest, it's what I like to call myself the Subaru Fest, isn't it? There's a lot of Subarus in this class, but we love that. We do love that. Um, at the well, minute, we, it's... Sorry, go on. We, we do have one Evo in contention for this year, which I'm very happy to see. <laughs> and we have one we Honda. Go. <laughs> oh, we do. This is Mrs. That's Mason's right. favorite. This is Mason's favorite car in the entire ARA, and I probably shouldn't yeah. say that on his behalf, but I think it's quite a well-known thing. You know, the, the Honda. No, that's pretty is. accurate. Yeah, it's, 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 it's he's a, back it's there, but he could still piece. make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. The fact he's rallying a car like that is just incredible, and there there is a feature on Dirtfish.com if you want to go check that out. Mason spoke to to Chris Sladek about the car. But at the front of the championship at the minute, we have Phil Wern, closely followed by Dylan Merkel and Clem Fedov. Mark, you are in there. You are in, in fourth place. A championship, is it still possible for you? Are you going to be all the rest of the rounds? Or is it kind of difficult for you to, at this point to, to see uh, and defend your title? Well, it's is it possible? Yeah, sure, anything's possible. But but no, I, I have some, some personal stuff that I need to take care of. Actually... When I decided I was going to do the championship last year, I actually sidelined a lot of the housework, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to catch up to it this summer. So no, unfortunately, I won't be there at at Ojibwe, but glad to see that at at least two years in a row that this is another hotly contested event. Because yeah, I mean it's 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 great to see you know the the overall championship battle with Travis Ken and and, and Brandon, but I I like to think that you know, the LN4 class is certainly more attainable and it's something that the fans can can relate to because these are production cars that they can buy, you know, granted with with a, a few modifications on, on top of it. So you have all sorts of different cars. You have, you know, STIs this year, you have, you know, the 2.5 RSs, you have, you know, Arik and his H6 car, you have the a Honda Passport, right? Like you have all these different cars and I think that's really great to see and I'm sure the fans love it. Yeah, Mason, this is, this oh, is one of my favorite classes. Um, yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll take your question in a minute. Um, 
No, this is did, one of my I favorite I classes. Ha- I didn't have one to be fair to you, so just go ahead. Free, free, free. Oh, awesome. This is gonna bring you in. But yeah, that that saves me a job, Mason. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, no, this is one of my favorite classes um, every year. I always, whenever I introduce it to people, I'm like, well, it's the closest thing we have to a production class, which is always exciting to see production vehicles racing. But you know especially like the past few years it's just been growing and growing and a lot of the speed in the class is still actually really close to the open four-wheel drive cars that cost 10 times as much i mean texas dave has put his limited class car on the podium uh you know if we talk about um uh jeff seahorn even though he's not really in the in the championship battle this year i mean that car is one of the fastest in the series and it's a limited class and you know, it's it's not pace for pace going to be as fast as Subaru or Hyundai, but it's going to be way up there. I I bet he could flat out beat some of the RC2 guys in that thing. Um, Klim Fedoff has been, I mean, I, I hadn't paid much attention to him, I'm going to be honest, uh, the first few rounds he did this year. But then at New England, I was like, wait a second, all of a sudden he's fifth on the road and he proved his worth there. He just ran away with it. Um, but then the guys at the top, Phil's new to the sport. Dylan's new to the sport. Um, but you know, Dylan has a racing background doing some IMSA stuff and some NASCAR, but to, to come out on dirt and to be, you know, second place overall, hugely impressive. I don't, I haven't gotten too much of a chance to talk to Phil personally. I'm going to be trying to reach out to him in, you know, maybe a week or so for a future, but, um, I don't know his racing background, but I know that he basically got into rally from crypto. <laughs> um, that's about Whoa. the extent I know of it. But I mean, that that pink and purple Subaru that pops unbelievably loud every time I see it. and I love it. It's been really impressive this year. I mean, it doesn't I'm looking at the points right now. It doesn't look like he's taken a taken a class win, but he's been consistently on podium when he's finished and he's gotten a power stage win. Uh, this is going to be a really good battle uh, going into these last three rounds. Yeah, I, I think in order to to win this class, um, you you certainly have to be both consistent and you also need to be fast. I mean, I I don't think Phil. Uh, well, it looks like here at at Olympus he has a few power stage points, but the only reason why he's leading is because he's super consistent. You know, you saw other people DNF, you saw other people crash, you saw other people not not entering events. Um, and, and that's why he's leading. So if he, you know, if he keeps this up, you know, it is potential that, you know, he may get the, get the championship. He is entered for Ojibwe. Actually, the first top six are entered for Ojibwe other than myself, of course, but it, you know, it's, it's going to be another nail biting, you know, event. And hopefully just like last year, uh, I, I won it by, it was like 1.8 seconds. Hopefully this year is going to be just as close, if not closer. We'll see about that. It'll have to go far to to be closer than what you managed last year, Mark. It was it was an incredible race to the end. Um, Mason, we he, he speak to me on an internal messaging system Slack. We've got going on, and the excitement he'd get from from your battle with with Ely was just incredible. Like it was always it's always what he'd want to talk about, and it was quite right because it, as you say, and you mentioned it before, this class it is attainable for most drivers because they are standard to a point cars. So it's attainable they're great to drive and for me it's where you always you can see how good a driver really is because there's there's not too many trick things that can help them out it's not it's a world away from the world rally car ken walks driving for example you haven't got these 
different fancy electronics and dynamic suspension and everything else to 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 do it for you you've got to really hustle the car and i think that's why you see such fantastic battles so for anybody that isn't paying close attention to the ln4 class i really do recommend that you do because as these guys have both said there's there's a great battle going on there i'm going to push you quickly actually just going to be cheeky and put you on the spot who do you reckon is going to come out on top of this one mason uh for ln4 yeah oh man um if i knew that it was going to be a battle of reliability i would say the passport would be on top but i feel like <laughs> i feel like chris would have to get pretty lucky for you know all of his competition to run into mechanicals uh and you know skill or not a uh, 3800 pound suv is not going to be much faster than a wrx on stage um i have I'm really torn between Dylan and Clem, honestly. Um, I think the two have shown a very, a very strong dedication to rally. Not that, you know, not that any other competitor hasn't, but um, I mean, just knowing a little bit more about their backgrounds and knowing a little bit about how much they want it, I feel like those two are definitely going to be pushing really hard, uh, especially because, you know, Clem's in a similar situation to mark last year uh i believe we even talked a little bit about it when we were at new england that he didn't know he was going to be going for the championship he got the points from new england and then the next day he was like uh yeah i guess i'm going to enter in ojibwe and see if i can do this and i you know i love a good underdog i feel like i feel like ln4 is kind of a class full of underdogs but um i i think that there's some I don't know. There's something about Clem's story that's drawing me in, um, but it's it's a total toss up. I he, yeah. I mean, if Dave, you got to think we keep ignoring Texas Dave accidentally, but if if he's got the uh, if he's got the overheating issues with that car fixed, I mean that is a terrifyingly fast car on stage. I, he he showed up with it at LSPR and podiumed. I mean, overall, not just in class. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if Dave can sort out his his reliability issues, um, I I think on speed alone, um, I, I you know I think he's he's probably a favorite. But you know we we have seen some mistakes from him on multiple rounds this year. You know the car is probably you know not up to 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 his snuff. So there's there's a few things working against him. But as I'm honestly, you know, surprised by by his speed. He posted some, you know, great stage times this year. But let's see if he can, you know, pull it together for for an entire championship. Hopefully, you know, he is entered for Ojibwe, but you know, hopefully, he actually does show up and and compete with the rest of the field because I think that would be that would be an amazing race. But I I would agree that you know both both Klim and and Dylan are probably going to be you know my my two favorites. I mean, you know, the the adversity that that Dylan had to battle after Ohio, you know, DNFing on, on the first stage, wing getting ripped off, radiator getting pushed into the engine. Um, and then seeing that car not being 100% starting at New England, he had, you know, a, a blue color trunk, you know, he had mismatched panels. Clearly that team was thrashing, you know, in the, in those few weeks in between, between those two events. So it really says a lot about his character. Um, you know, you know, basically that's that's what rally is but they're going to press on regardless and hopefully that car 
you know, over these past few weeks after New England is is back to 100% because that is going to be a very tight battle, which I'll be I'll be watching very closely. Yeah, I think we should touch really quickly on Dylan's performance at New England because it's easy to see that he retired and just like forget about it. That car arrived, car in trailer arrived 10 minutes before he was scheduled to check out of Park Exposé. How's that even possible? I don't know. He he dropped back to like 20th on road. I think he was supposed to be like sixth or so. Um, that's a guess, but he was up there, dropped back, took a you know, couple minutes worth of penalties and just started getting after it. No wing, no alignment. The car was kind of all over the place, but he did everything he could to keep in the battle and to keep, you know, gaining points for the championship. But it was, uh, he overheated. I don't know if he blew the motor or not, but it was just obvious that if he kept going, the car wasn't going to survive. So they retired on day two there. But that's that's the dedication you want if you're rooting for someone in a championship. Yeah, I, I saw him on day two. I was I was there standing on the first stage of, of day two, and he actually looked, you know, go, he went by me pretty quickly, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, he's he's back up to speed. But then on the transit back to to stage two on the second day, I saw that he was pulled over and, and getting a tow from uh from from one of the ARA people. So I was really really bummed to to see that, but. You know the dedication is is certainly there, and and when you start a season knowing that you have you're going to do all the rounds, I mean that's real dedication, right? I mean I know just from from last year how many hours I spent in the garage, and just you know I'm sure you know extra wrinkles on my forehead, extra gray hairs that that I've gotten all from last year. But hopefully, you know, in terms of dedication, in terms of the story, the pure story, uh, I, I I hope I certainly hope Dylan gets it. Well, there we are. We'll have to wait and see over the final three rounds how it pans out. But we do have the unfortunate news that Mark won't be in the, in the class. But Mark, next year, what's on the cards for you? Because it might be a bit too early to ask, but we know there's this change in regulation in the open four-wheel drive class. I don't know if that makes it any more attainable for you personally, but what can we expect from, from Mark Pietowski next year? Are you going to be back out for more of a complete season or are you are not sure yet? Uh, that's a, that's a great question. I, I honestly, right now, Luke, I, I, I don't know. I was trying to work a, a few angles. There were a few people, a few different angles that have, have potential, but you know, at, at, at a minimum, I'm certainly going to be, to be rallying my, my own car. Um, hopefully by then my house projects will be, <laughs> will be complete <laughs> and I have some additional time and, and some additional money to, to spend on, you know, on this, on this great hobby. But you know, I, I obviously have to go back to Snowdrift um, and, and see, see what I can do there. I'm sure other people are other, you know, top competitors are, are going to be there as well. But, you know, I, I really would like to, to go back there and we'll, we'll see what what happens after that. Hopefully a few of my you know, different angles will, will work out. But as a backup, I have, have a, I have a car that, you know, I feel very comfortable in. I've, I've, I've built with my own two hands. Um, and I, I genuinely have fun, but you know, I, I, I've, I've said this, I think to, to Mason, you know, I've, I've kind of reached the pinnacle of what is attainable in that car. Right. And, and when I drove the R5, um, the, the ceiling was so much higher. Right. And, and that to me is, is, is so enticing that it obviously comes at, you know, five X more cost. Um, and you know, without any sponsorship, without without any help on on that particular aspect, it's it's going to be very hard for me. But we'll see. I mean, 
you know, anything is, anything is possible. I didn't know of the, the R5 drive I was going to get at hundred acre until, you know, a day after snow drove. So things can, can quickly transpire, but I know in order for, for me to do a, a, a full national championship next year in another car, you know, kind of handshakes and, and deals would have have to already been on, on the table for me to, to do that, but we'll see, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll certainly try to do more events that I, than I did this year and, uh, fingers crossed I can, you know, be, maybe be in a different car. Well, I think I speak for, for everyone when I see it. It'd be really great to see you back out in, in whatever you're driving. But before we do close out the podcast, boys, um, I've just noticed the time. I'm going to get telling off from the absent Lisa for how long this has ended up being. But I'll <laughs> grab your predictions for the overall championship result. I've saved that till last. We've covered it already, but just a little bit of a recap for those that aren't maybe necessarily aware of the permutation. Brandon is at the head of the championship. He has the possibility to score a max of 163 points, which is nine better off than Ken. But that's obviously theoretical. That's the maximum possible. So realistically, between Brandon, Travis and Ken, it is it is all possible for any one of them. I think it's maybe harder for Travis. I think if he doesn't win Ojibwe, he's probably out of the race. But uh, boys, what, what do we think? I'll come to you first, Mason. We did this after round three and you put your money on Brandon. Is that still where you're putting the dollar? Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to put my dollar. Um, that's I I have to say I think if it was pace alone, I think that Ken would have it. I think that the Hyundai is, you know, for all of the all of the nerfing it has and all of the restrictions that's been put on it, the money that's in that chassis and the research and development is just so far above anything else that we have in the U.S. And Ken is a killer driver, and Alex is a great navigator behind the um, or well in the car. I think that. Those two definitely have the pace to do it, but, and I'm not going to, I'm definitely not saying that, oh, Ken's just going to crash because I don't think that's the case, but Brandon was so precise on New England. If he can bring that precision and dedication and just, um, I can't remember the word I'm trying to think of, uh, consistency in just being able to keep the car flat out. I don't know if there's much much more speed anyone could get out of that car on that rally. And if he can keep that going, I think that he's probably going to be able to take it. What are your thoughts, Mark? Would you would you agree? Do you think Brandon is the favourite? Or do you think that the combination of Ken and the Hyundai's is going to be a little bit too strong for him to, to, to overcome? Well, I, I would personally love to see Brandon win the championship. But I think Ken, in my opinion, you know, if I'm going to, place my money on some on someone I'm going to place my money on Ken just purely based on the on the fact that each event that he's doing he's getting slightly quicker and quicker and quicker as he has more seat time on, underneath him and also let's not forget I mean Ojibwe is kind of a medium speed rally um so I, I really think that's going to be interesting to see how it pans out STPR very fast rally and also LSPR, at least on day one, is an exceptionally fast rally, probably even faster than 100 Acre, in my opinion. So I think that's where the Hyundai is going to show its legs. And, you know, not to demise, you know, you know, Subaru, but, you know, and, and also Ken and, and Alex. But like I said before, they, they do need to drive the car. They're driving the car beautifully. Um, I, I just think the package um, is going to suit the remaining rounds more than than the Subaru. That's my prediction. 
it would be incredibly tempting for me right now to close this out and not give my thoughts as well because that's perfectly balanced. But I actually do think I have to go with what I said three rounds ago as well and stick with Ken. Basically, for all the reasons Mark has just said, actually. I think if we were doing a, a sort of ranking of who the best driver has been across the season, I think Brandon might nick it from Ken just because of how... I think Brandon's getting... Up like 99.9999% out of that car. I would say Ken's maybe 98%. But the Ken block we're seeing this year is a different Ken block, in my opinion, to what we've seen in the past. The The level of, of work he's putting in and that he has to put in there to be at the front is is incredible. So yeah, obviously, we, we can debate the the strengths of the cars all day long, but it's not as if Brandon's driving a tractor. The Subaru is an incredibly capable car yeah. in itself. So it, it'll, it'll be a great race um, nonetheless. And I, I cannot wait to see what happens at Ojibwe, where, Mark, will you be there at all spectating, or are you going to be watching this one from home? Uh, unfortunately, I'll be watching this from home. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be there. Um, I mean, you know, unless unless Mason and, and Josh need a bit of help from uh, from, from myself. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'll, I'll be watching and just refreshing the uh, the, the app, just looking at, at stage times, and, and, you know, I'll have my eyes peeled, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to be a great battle. Mason, I think in that what case, you meant you'll is have... that you'll be watching Dirtfish. For updates. Yes, I'll be watching Dirtfish <laughs> on all the updates. Mason, that was exactly what I was going to say, so thank you. That we can That's two of us reminding Mark where it's at. It is dirtfish.com. <laughs> How could I? How could I? For all the website content, Dirtfish Rally on Twitter. And for the weekly Spin the Rally pods, make sure you're subscribed on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Gents, thanks very much. We'll have to do this more often. Mark, don't be a stranger. I'll try not to be. Thank you very much, boys. We'll speak soon. Thanks, everyone. Yep, thank you. See ya.